Hello, you are listening to the Sorted Cinema After Dark podcast. I am your host, Randy Dankovich, and this week we are talking about Disney Plus's The Book of Boba Fett, the latest Star Wars series. We're going to go sharpen our lightsabers, but we'll be back to talk Star Wars. I am not a bounty hunter. I've heard otherwise. I know that you sit on the throne of your former employer. Jabba ruled with fear. intend to rule with respect. You were all once captains under Jabba the Hutt. I'm here to make a proposal that's mutually beneficial. Why speak of conflict when cooperation can make us all rich? What prevents us all from killing you? Taking what we want. If you had spoken such insolence to Java, he'd have fed you to his menagerie. Please, speak freely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sorted Cinema After Dark. As noted, I am Randy Dankovich, and joining me, as always, my co-host, Ricky D. What's up, Ricky? What's up, Randy? You want to hear a really funny story? I always forget about this. I love funny stories. Way back when we started the Sorted Cinema podcast, which was then named the Sound Insight podcast. Yeah, our very first guest was John Favreau. He was like... Was this like our chef or something? No, we were actually recording at the radio station live, and we had a 15-minute interview with him for Iron Man. Wow. What a different times. <laughs> be a very different interview interviewing John Favreau now, I, I think, given he has become the part of the Disney machine. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, we, we used to interview big, huge names like uh, James Gunn. You know, um, a lot of the directors who went on to do Game of Thrones. And it's it's a shame that we we stopped our podcast for a few years because we lost that original feed on our listeners. But anyhow. Well, now you're stuck with me, unfortunately. Um, joining us in the guest chair this week, uh, Tilt Magazine and Goomba Stomps, own Mark Kalaroff. How you doing, Mark? Good. Thank you back. Uh, thank you for having me back. And I do want to say, Rick, at the same time, John Favreau was getting into Star Wars because he was actually on the show The Clone Wars. Because that's where, uh, across the street, that's where they did the animation for it. And he played a character called Pre Vizsla, which is the first Mandalorian to come after Jango Fett. Wait, across the street from where? Um, It was where they were developing Iron Man, and that's how he became friends with Dave Filoni. Oh, okay. You mean on the set of Iron Man, the the original film, the first Yeah, it was either like the set or the post-production, something like that. Well, I love that we are opening the show by playing a quasi game of six degrees of Kevin Bacon because 
the book of Boba Fett is kind of the six degrees of Star Wars, the television series in a lot of ways. Um, as you can guess, this show kind of picks up off the end of the second season of The Mandalorian, which revealed to us that Boba Fett is still a character that Disney owns. And so here comes a seven episode series, uh, largely directed by Robert Rodriguez, though either a few other notable directors in the second half that we'll talk about. But I think we should kind of start, given this is basically two different television shows at once, with where this begins and the story of how Boba Fett came back to life after um, getting dropped into the Sarlacc pit and became who he was or who he was meant to be or however you feel about wherever the hell we are in the Star Wars timeline. Um, Ricky, you've already told us a story, so we'll start with Mark. Mark, tell me about your your Star Wars life and how you felt coming into the book of Boba Fett and its first couple episodes. So Boba Fett was always one of my favorite characters growing up. And I started watching uh, the original trilogy. I saw it on VHS at my cousin's house. And then I uh, moved on to having wow, the pre remasters. This guy yeah. knows what the, the movies used to look like <laughs> when Jabba the Hutt had an awful, awful CGI. He had that one. And then uh, I grew up with the I grew up a lot with the prequels and I watched the Clone Wars on TV. Um, Rebels didn't get me at all. Saw the sequels and the movies. I've always been into Star Wars. I love Star Wars especially on the gaming side with uh, the Force Unleashed and Fallen Order and all that stuff. But uh, this show, I actually probably will enjoy it way more than you guys, but I think that's for a few reasons we have to get into. And it is, it's, be part of, it's, it's become part of uh, Dave Filoni's um, Star Wars universe. So there's a lot from that that's actually pulled into here. And it's kind of the same with The Mandalorian, except here it's on like full throttle compared to that show. And how about you, Ricky? What is your Star Wars background? I mean, I love the original three films. I maybe have seen the original three films like five times each, if not more, maybe seven times each. So big fan of the original three, not so big of a fan of the following eight or is it nine at this point? I like Star Wars. I mean, I don't hate Star Wars. I don't love Star Wars. I'm not a fanboy. Uh, I actually kind of dig the TV shows. I actually like the TV shows more than the actual films, movies, because I feel like with six episodes, seven episodes, eight episodes, whatever it is, you have more time to really develop a good story and flesh out these characters. And I'm going to disagree with you, Mark, because I think I'm a, the biggest fan of this very show that we are talking about here today than you two, because in some ways, I actually like this first season better than the first season of The Mandalorian. Oh. My only nitpick, and I'm sure we'll get to this in the second part of this review, is I'm okay with having like a bottle episode or having one character dominate an entire episode, but I thought it was a stretch to have two episodes move away from the central yes. character. Very interesting choice. I admire it. It's, it's a brave choice. I'm not sure if many people liked it. I didn't hate it. But I do think that the first half of the season isn't as exciting and electric as the second half of the season because you don't have like the big set piece in which we get in episode eight. But there's still some really good iconic like Western image images and, and sequences like a lot of, of course, scenes that remind you of the Sergio Leone spaghetti Westerns and 
and uh, you get, I think it was within the first four episodes, we get the train robbery, right? Yeah, that that's was, episode uh, the two, yes. Yeah. yeah, that's the heist, right? So I, I thought that was fantastic. And and I don't know, like, the, there is an advantage that this character has over the Mandalorian, and it's the fact that the actor can actually take off his helmet, and therefore he has more freedom to express himself, become more of a character, more of an actual face of the show. Mm-hmm. And do not get me wrong, I think that what's his face, Pedro uh, Pascal, mm-hmm. he's like he's really really good in his role. I mean, the fact that he has to wear a helmet for almost the entire series and yet he can express so much emotion, dude's like a really good actor. But I'm just saying that this 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 actor has an advantage playing Boba Fett because you know, like again, you can actually act outside of a costume, and I do like his journey in this season. Like I feel like. He's part of a tribe, but he doesn't really belong in this tribe. And then he has to find his own tribe, which he does in the second half of the season. And that's when he really finds himself and becomes who he's meant to be, like the savior and ruler of this like region. Well, I have many thoughts about the book of Boba Fett. Um, so coming into this, I will note that obviously of the three of us, I am probably the least I am the smallest Star Wars fan. I don't know if that's the the correct phrasing for it, but you know, I've seen all the movies. I've watched both seasons of The Mandalorian and read a bunch of comic books in the 90s and, you know, spent my time in the extended universe and whatnot. But I don't know, there's always been a certain emotional detachment to me from Star Wars and I think that kind of set me up poorly for what this series would eventually become. At the end of the day, I think Star Wars as a setting is more interesting than, you know, some of the iconic star wars characters or conflicts or things like that like order 66 is a cool idea and like an entire universe that's just full of clones is also an idea that i can totally get behind um but i came into this series and i was very interested to find out how they would take somebody who is as they existed in the quote-unquote canon of star wars kind of just a a faceless cipher and turn them into a three-dimensional character that i could you know, not necessarily empathize with, but at least be interested in their adventures of. And on that level, I'm not quite convinced that Boba, the book of Boba Fett may be interested in, in Boba Fett, the character. And um, so I'm interested to see what you guys pulled out of, especially these first two or three episodes. I think episode two is probably of this first half, the best episode of them, because it's kind of a contained story about Boba Fett's survival post, you know, Return of the Jedi that moves away from familiar, a lot of familiar Star Wars imagery, you know, the Sarlacc pit and the cantina that we get in the premiere and then the stuff that we get later in the season. It really tells this interesting story of somebody learning somebody else's culture. Um, The one interesting thing about Boba Fett is that he is a person of adopted identity. You know, we learned in The Mandalorian that he got his suit from his father who he is a clone of right i'm doing a star wars right yes (laughs) um and so that idea of him trying to find himself as a human being amidst a bunch of strangers is an interesting one because he basically had an identity that was handed to him unfortunately i think this series just kind of hands him a different identity to embody amidst a story that started talking about spice enough that i thought it was a dune sequel but I do think that I was I was relatively impressed with what 
um, this show, and, and particularly Tamora Morrison, who is an actor in his 60s doing a, a really demanding role in bringing to life a character that, quite honestly, this guy couldn't have given a shit about beforehand. Yeah, I'm going to agree. His performance is amazing. And I, th- I think that's maybe one of the reasons why I think has a slight edge over the first uh, season of the, the Mandalorian in my eyes. And, you know, I'm saying this, but I, I, I could and should maybe watch that first season to really truly compare. Nowadays. I think you should, because the visuals of the first season, of the Mandalorian are head and shoulders over some of the stuff in the show. Yeah, we'll, I'll get, agree there. we'll get there. I, I agree completely. Yeah, maybe. But I do think there's some like really great characters in this first season. And I know a lot of them were in The Mandalorian, but, you know, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I really do like Timmy Ollie as Cobb. He's fantastic. He has a small appearance, but he's there. And he's in the first episode for five seconds. It counts. Hey, man, any TV show with Timothy Oliphant, I'm there. I mean, the dude's from Justified and he really works in this sort of like western setting and of course you have the big baddie Corey burton playing cad bane i thought his performance was fantastic so there's something you said though in terms of like his emotional journey and the fact that he's like this adopted figure i think the two characters have a very similar backstory and journey despite the fact that it's two different shows and where they are trying to find themselves and who they are and where they belong and they do have like this shady past and Again, they're so similar, like the two characters. Like, so it's like it's you're like, talking about the Mandalorian. I'm talking about Boba the Mandalorian Fett. and Boba Fett. Yeah, and I, I mean, so when you do get the Mandalorian just completely taking over the show, like if you don't really know these characters and the world of Star Wars, the universe of Star Wars, and you've never maybe seen the Mandalorian, you can actually be forgiven for being totally confused or confusing the two characters at one point in time (laughs) let's be honest though i feel like this show was written knowing that nobody except people that watch star wars were going to watch this right like real like serious people not like oh i saw force awakens and in the theater or whatever but like people that have seen all of this stuff is what this show is increasingly about even from the beginning because like if you haven't seen return of the jedi and movie from the 1980s like you're not going to give a crap about who this guy is Right. And I want to ask you, Mark, about that very point. Like, do you think that it's sort of like a fault or a weakness of the show that it expects the audience to kind of know who everyone is and how they relate and have some sort of like knowledge of the previous films and or the Star Wars universe as a whole? Because I kind of feel like that's that is one of the things a lot of people complain about when they watch shows like Game of Thrones and the Wheel of Time. I don't think it's such a huge problem with this show because we do have two central figures in each show. There's the Mandalorian and then in this show, there's Boba Fett. And it helps that the actual protagonist, like the the show is actually named after him. Mm -hmm. But I still do. I do get a lot of feedback from friends and casual viewers that say that they don't know what is going on. They're completely confused. For this show, I think it's a problem. For The Mandalorian, I think they've perfected it in allowing Dave Filoni's characters and George Lucas that they created for The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels and all those shows and everything like that. Those characters in that show perfectly translated into it. Like, I love going back to the Ahsoka episode in season two, and it's like, you don't need to know really anything about Ahsoka to know that she's this, you know, wise Jedi from the past and she can help the Mandalorian. But in this case, I feel like we have a show, I don't want to jump too ahead, but when you're introducing characters like Cad Bane and 
the Pike Syndicate, and they don't really tell you about their background. Like before, Randy, you mentioned like the spice trade. Like the spice trade is actually from the Clone Wars, and that was so so totally long lost ago. On me. Yeah, I'm just like, wait, so, these guys um... saw Dune. <laughs> yeah, that's been in Star Wars canon for uh, a long time now, well over a decade. But uh, I well, do. Think... Let's not forget that George Lucas was heavily inspired by the actual. Yes, movie. that too, he was. But um, yeah, I think this show kind of suffers from the fact that it uh, pulls from a lot of other Star Wars media, especially the whole ending with Cad Bane, which I guess we'll talk about later. But I, I think it's definitely a fault for this one. It's not always a fault, but I think for the majority and for like the especially like the emotional moments, I think it is. Well, Mark, we have a character who shows up who everyone thought might have died. And if you haven't watched The Mandalorian, you would not know who she is. Oh, Fennec Shand. Yeah. So, well, Fennec Shand was in the second season of The Mandalorian. And since right. this if is you've a never watched spin-off. Mandalorian, then you would, could be lost. Yeah, you definitely would be lost in that factor. You would and have what's funny no is that if you, when is. we watched the Mandalorian before that, when she gets shot, and then they just walk away from that plotline altogether, I think it's on the other side of it also very easy to forget that she was a character on that show. <laughs> at least for the first season, she had a lot to do in the uh, the second one at the ending. But again, watching this first season, I kept thinking of one of my favorite movies of all time, Once Upon a Time in the West, The Train Heist. Again, it just it, it, it's 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 like the sci fi Western, but there's so many like camera shots and the framing and just like the music, the soundtrack, the visuals. It's pulling from those Sergio Leone films. And then you have, I think, two, if not three sort of like. I hate to use the word Mexican standoffs, but for lack of a better word, a Mexican standoff, right? Where you have like these two gunslingers who are about to like, draw a gun. And so like, I think of scenes like that and I just love those scenes. And I also like, I found it strange that people online, at least on Twitter, I noticed were complaining about the flashbacks and how they didn't really like the flashbacks for the central character because they thought it slowed down the show. And I was like, but that's what I liked about it. Because a lot of times people complain about how they quote unquote, don't care about characters. The show and or the movie didn't give us a reason to care about this character. We don't know who these characters are. And that's why I think these shows have an advantage over the movies, even though the movies are a continuing like story, but they always introduce these new characters and you have like two hours to tell a story. And out of the two hours, there's like an hour and a half that's taken up for action sequences. So I'm like, I'm a huge fan of this idea of having like, um, you know, television shows based on the star wars universe instead of like movies and i kind of feel the same about the marvel tv shows where i'm so bored with marvel movies but the actual tv shows they're not always a huge success but at least they try to do something new like wandavision was completely different than most marvel movies up until maybe the last mm-hmm. episode but you still have like about five episodes where it's completely different and they experiment and i like the idea of hollywood experimenting because hollywood because Hollywood usually does the exact same thing. They have a specific formula that they follow and it's the same formula with every movie. Well, I, I mean, I think even the way this series is directed is starting to follow a very specific formula, which is when, which is strange. So when you see an episode that is directed by Robert Rodriguez, you would think that would feel epi- different than an episode directed by John Favreau. And yet somehow those end up feeling the same. But the question that I really want to ask that you brought up Ricky is about the character of Boba Fett and those flashbacks because another instance of me hearing Star Wars fandom and wondering what reality I live in, I feel like without those flashbacks, Boba Fett is a mostly pointless character in this series because 
what happens in the present, he's such a bystander to a lot of it. And a lot of it, even in the early episodes, is like, ooh, look at this other cool character. And ooh, look at these cyberpunk kids that are here. And ooh, that girl from Yellow Jackets is doing a really bad accent. <laughs> and so, like, if you don't have those flashback scenes, like, who is Boba Fett as a character? And I think ultimately it's kind of like the big issue with these early episodes is that this show is called the book of Boba Fett, but when it's, it, it, it is at its most boring, it is when it is in the quote unquote present day of the series telling Boba Fett stories. Yes, it is the present. I actually, I thought the present or the, the past parts of the show were the best parts. I actually really love the Tuscan Raiders and their culture and then the whole tribalism with it and him creating the gaffy stick. And like you said, Rick, with the train heist and all that stuff. Like I finally some story great. for that group of characters that has just sat in the background of so many <laughs> movies. And I've been like, who the fuck are these people? Yeah. And going, well, another thing, it goes into Star Wars with creating a different perception of these characters because the Tuscan Raiders have always been people that we've dehumanized. We've yeah, always just hated assholes them, who you rob know? you in the yeah, fucking exactly. desert all the time. They, you know, they beat down Luke. They killed Anakin's mom. It's like, how are you supposed to like these guys? And then the Mandalorian did a good job with experimenting with them and the sign language and all that stuff. And when they teamed up with Cobb Vanth and, you know, all that going on. But this show really humanizes the Tuscan Raiders and you actually feel really bad for them because they're just a small tribe in their own land. And then, as they say, the invaders came down and started taking all their space. No, I totally agree. And that's why I was confused when I would read the comments on Twitter where people were complaining because I'm like, you know, Boba Fed was essentially a character who had like, what, 15 seconds of screen time in that original film and became like a cult favorite just because his action figure was like hard to get. And I mean, like, let's be honest. I mean, there's a whole entire episode of it on the Netflix show, The Movies That Made Us. Was was it The Movies That Made Us? Anyhow, whatever. There's, I think there's an entire documentary. About, yeah, it's on Disney Plus, and it's all about on Disney Boba Plus, Fett. right? On yeah. Disney Plus, you're right. Yeah. So yeah, do you no, think I those agree. first and... episodes pay that off? Like that decade, like it's impossible to pay off decades of buildup for like a cult favorite character. But like, I don't know, man. Like the performance is good. The stunt work that he does is really impressive. But once we get to the end of episode four, I was really starting to wonder, like. Well, what's going on here? Why well, do I care it's about different. it? <laughs> it's different for you guys. Like as someone who watched the Clone Wars and saw what Dave Filoni did with uh, Boba Fett, he's always been this character that hasn't really, he struggled like with the Mandalorian, he struggled with his identity, but he's always struggled since his father was killed. So like in the Clone Wars, he wants revenge on Mace Windu. And then he's like, maybe this isn't right if I do that. So then he jumps to working with pirates and then he becomes a lone bounty hunter. And then he eventually gathers a group and there's like, a whole thing to it which is another problem with this show where if you don't know the stuff that happened in clone wars it's a lot less impactful especially the last episode with cad bane where you won't really get that impact if you don't know all the background behind it there's enough of an explanation to understand that they are transporting um uh what was it um it was spices spice. right spice. yeah the spice yeah, yeah. Uh, across the desert and in the process they were just sort of like assassinating the tribe and I mean, like, they, they give enough story. You're not going to understand it fully. Like, I totally agree. Like, I haven't seen the Clone Wars, Mark. I've only seen, like, one or two episodes here and there, which is why I knew about the big baddie in this in this season. I mean, the character himself, like, you're going to recognize Yeah, him. he's he just so iconic. Like... Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I, I wanted to use the word iconic, but I wasn't sure if I should because I don't want Star Wars fans to assassinate me. But Cad <laughs> no, he's iconic. has an iconic yeah. look to him. 
So, but the first four episodes, because that is when it really focuses on the central character and we have like the, the flashbacks. And I think of the first four episodes, two of, of them are directed by Robert Rodriguez, of which I'm a huge fan of Robert Rodriguez. I've always been a fan of him ever since he directed El Mariachi's first movie, which he made for $10,000, which in itself is a Western. You're not watching Robert Rodriguez directing. You're watching him read Disney notes on directing a Star Wars show. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't feel like him. I, like I don't no know about that. To that. I, I don't know. I didn't grow up with that movie, but um, from the Robert Rodriguez I've seen, it's like, I, I felt like those were his episodes. Yeah, just, I, t- I, I really totally agree. If you, if you look at episode seven and the way he structures his action sequences and his shot compositions, his close-ups, his zooms, it is so Robert Rodriguez. I don't think it's very good. I it's think not. he's done so much better. <laughs> he has. That's the problem. The Robert Rodriguez episodes are the ones that suck in this season. Yeah, the visual. I mean, I think that's kind of like. Well, they don't suck. They're, they're like, but, they're no, fine, but they're but... a visual mess. So I'm so confused. The Robert Rodriguez directed two of the first four. You guys just said you liked the first four better. Now you're saying that he directed the worst episode. No, I think the back half of the show is way better than the first half. And all I said was that I like the Boba Fett arc, like the arc of the character. I don't particularly care for how this this show looks in general. Yeah, I love everything that they did with the grit and the desert and just the whole look of it and how he's basically this survivor. I mean, that's what they structure him as. And I think the way they portray it is perfect in the flashbacks, but I'm not a huge fan of the modern day stuff, especially that first episode where um, Fennec and Boba get surrounded by the uh, the ninja guys who went to assassinate them. Like that fight scene oh, is yeah. awful when they no. when they pull up the shields. I, I was just laughing. I like one like, of them can kick why? the shields, but then he throws somebody else in the shield, and then Boba uses a and... missile and blows the guy up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure that, you know, has a team of writers and directors and cinematographers that they have storyboards in which they follow. And because, I mean, you do want to make the show consistent and have all of the episodes sort of like look and feel similar. You're not going to hire a different composer to do the music for every single episode so it sounds and feels different. You know what I'm saying? I think wouldn't you want this to feel different than what came before? Like just a little bit because we're telling it we're supposed to be ostensibly for four episodes, at least telling a story about a different character. Would I want, would I prefer that? Yes. I'm always but I'm asking not sure what you how want, you Ricky. Would do, how but you I'm feel? not sure how you would do that when you have two episodes that focus on the Mandalorian, where they actually move the focus away from the central character. That That is the issue with this first season. This is a lightsaber. Belong to my teacher, Master Yoda. And now, I'm offering it to you. I'm putting it on John Favreau because he wrote, he's credited with writing every episode in the season. He's a director, <laughs> he should know better. I think. Well, wait, sorry, who's the showrunner? Is it John Favreau? It's John Favreau. And Dave Filoni? The two of them are no, just one. I don't like, think Dave done... Filoni was uh, that involved with the show. He de- he wrote okay. the um the sixth episode. He wrote that one. Yeah, he's listed as an executive producer, mm-hmm. but that's it. It seems to be mostly Robert Rodriguez and it's and and John Favreau. Favreau. It's yeah. the he Favreau's can is credited as the creator solely. So. Okay, we're we're thirty minutes in, so I'm assuming we can just jump ahead a bit. 
Well, that's the thing is I think in the spirit of this show is we can just say fuck Boba Fett and move on to the things that are actually <laughs> interesting about the season. And in particular, at chapter five, which, you know, directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, completely drops Boba Fett and says, fuck this guy. We're going back to the Mandalorian because that's what people like. We want that shiny metal. And I don't know. I really like this episode because it felt like it felt oh, like the incredible. first hour of like an action video game sequel where it's like, hey, remember this cool dude that you hung out with? Well, here's an upgrade here and this other thing's changing here and he's doing this other cool thing. And it kind of was an interesting reset for a character. But at the same time, I was also like, wait, what happened to the show we were just watching? I was waiting for that one to cut to Boba Fett. Is episode five the episode in which Din has the... Uh hand-to-hand combat with paz yes it is yes okay yeah that that is a very good episode it is the episode, episode of this this season as in, in for better or worse which is a very bad sign when you name the show after a different character <laughs> now do you think that's because that episode just had better characters a better script and or a better director Everything. do you want do you, i was gonna say do you want the realistic take or the hot take because the hot take is they realized they didn't have seven episodes of story for boba fett said oh fuck what do we do bring back the little Yoda and the metal guy and we'll do that instead. And everybody's like, cool, we can do CGI Luke Skywalker now. And they're like, fucking great. <laughs> By the way, did you know that? So what happened with the CGI Luke Skywalker was there's a guy on YouTube who thought he could do a better job than what they did in the second season of the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. So he, and they hired he basically, him. yeah, he whipped up his own like little creation on YouTube and somehow John Favreau or someone noticed it. And they hired the dude to recreate Luke Skywalker uh, in this season, well, it looks like shit, and they should stop doing it. So I don't think it looks bad. I don't. I, think I it looks fucking good. hate it. I hate it, and I it hate what it's going to lead to. Do you understand? Like, we're already oh, doing no, this I know shit in Ghostbusters to. movies with <laughs> dead actors and shit. Like, we are never yeah. going to let a character or an actor die for the rest of our fucking lives. We're going to be eighty-five years old, and they're going to do Fight Club Four, and it's going to be twenty-year-old <laughs> Brad Pitt without a hole in the side of his head, and I'm going to jump <laughs> off a fucking building. <laughs> I cannot. We should talk about chapter five because I cannot stand chapter six. I hated chapter six so much I almost didn't watch the finale. So chapter wow. six, I think, is the weakest entry in the it. first season because that's the, that, that well because that's the episode in which, that really focuses on Luke Skywalker and Grogu. And it was it's the, the episode that says Star Wars merchandise. We have so many characters. Look at all these characters. You know, Mark, I thought that episode was unnecessary and it took a lot of focus off of like the I'm going to say the two central characters. Oh, it did. I'm not I'm not takes you know, I'm not going to argue that. There's a reason when I, you know, when I wrote the review for that episode, I talked about how this show should be part of a Star Wars anthology because they're starting to go in like a million different directions, but I'm loving everything that I'm seeing. And I love the whole philosophical take on the Jedi and their whole philosophy and Luke Skywalker taking up the mantle and him finally meeting Ahsoka Tano and just everything in that episode and the way it was shot and the whole, even them going, they're so bold that they would go for the direction that Star Wars The Last Jedi took with Luke Skywalker, how they're heading in that direction. Like, instead of banking in on the nostalgia, they're going right in and saying, they did this, we're going to own up to it. And they're actually building upon it. And I just thought the whole episode was just the parallels between that and Empire and Luke now being the master and giving his training. I just thought the whole thing was perfect. Spoilers, doesn't end well for Luke. (laughs) But it felt like it was out of place. I felt like the whole purpose of that episode was just to sort of like, 
drop in the Jedi Temple. Yeah, I have no idea why that episode was part of the show. Like, if this, I think that's a big problem. If this show was called like, I, I don't know, like Tales in the of Blanks Tatooine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what the episode it can, is. It's there to fill in blanks. It's saying, it oh is. yeah, you know these characters. They, they well, touch no, 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 each no, no. other. I, I think like. It, in terms of like world building and story building and Star Wars in general, like I think it's a fantastic episode going into Luke and Grogu and Ahsoka and even like Cad Bane showing up and everything. But that's the problem with the show. If it were an episode of Clone Wars and that happened, everyone would have lost their shit. But in this case, it's the book of Boba Fett. We want to know about Boba Fett. He's the title character, and instead we have well, he's the not scenario. a Jedi in training. <laughs> no, Mark. I don't. I don't think that's the reason. I think. I think the problem is like this episode featured a few scenes with Luke Skywalker. Grogu's okay because he's already part of like this TV show. You know, he's part of the Mandalorian. Okay. Like the point is, we get we get a few sequences of Luke Skywalker. So what happens is we get a lot the Mandalorian visits. Uh, I forget where they're at. Wherever the Jedi Temple is, mm-hmm. I forget the name of the place. So he visits the place to it's give a uh, Grogu his like armor, and that's basically it. Like the whole entire episode is structured. I mean, I get it. Like you want Grogu back, standing side by side with his like you know being the sidekick of the Mandalorian, but it just felt. It felt like, you know what? It felt like you were watching that was the a, Mandalorian. No, it felt like that was a good enough reason to stretch out the season and make it nine episodes. So like that, it's not just like this uh, one scene that comes out of nowhere in one episode, because this episode is split in half. There is the, you know, the whole. Uh, oh, that's right. You do see Boba follows, Fett in like, chapter Cad six. Bane. He doesn't talk, but he's there. <laughs> he doesn't talk. He doesn't that's have a right. single line. He that. shows up for one scene. Yeah. God, it's, it, he really like, would you say? Oh, wait, I totally missed what you said. Oh, I just said that I forgot that he shows up in Chapter 6. He doesn't talk, but he is there. Cad Bane? No, no, no. No, Boba no. Fett. Boba Fett. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's looking yeah, at yeah, the map that uh, Fennec's presenting to them. Which kind of speaks to, I think, maybe the biggest issue with this season is that the structure is wrong. Chapter 2 should be 1, and 3 should be 2, and 5 no, should be No, I don't even think here. the structure is <laughs> wrong. I think it's that these characters just shouldn't be here. It's we're watching, we're trying to, you know, I know it's a direct spinoff of the Mandalorian, but it's like, it's the Boba Fett show. It's not the, here comes Ahsoka Tano and guess what? Her show's next year. And then Grogu with the Mandalorian season three at the end Did of the year. Did you see like, an Avengers film in the past decade? No, but that's, but that's What's different. That? That's completely different. That's literally Boba Fett is missing for two sevenths of his show. Well, ask Hawkeye how he felt about the Avengers movies. You're right, and I think it's but okay the Avengers for shows to have a bottle episode. We've it seen it is, but it has to you know it has to have a consistent tale. If it doesn't tie into the overall narrative, like all this, you know, it does tie into the Mandalorian and his character. But the fact that Luke and Ahsoka and all of them show up, it has nothing to do with Boba Fett. If they showed, if Luke Skywalker showed up in the last episode to help them fight off the Syndicate and Cad Bane, that'd be a different scenario. Instead. He showed up because he had to show up to continue developing the Mandalorian story. And that's a problem for me because I think five and six are the best episodes in the entire show. But the problem is they shouldn't be in the show because no, see, I disagree. So I think episode six is the worst episode of the first season. I think what makes episode six good and, and saves it is because we do have Cobb who shows up. Unfortunately, he's also murdered. <laughs> no, he didn't. He doesn't die. Character. He didn't die. No, he's not. He was in the after credits in the back. Yeah. Of oh, 
I did not see the aftercredits. Uh, yeah. alive. Yeah. Oh no, you're telling me that Star Wars <laughs> also, isn't turning into Marvel? We've me, got after credits uh, soy scene. You're telling me the guy who was shot in the shoulder didn't make it out? Like the guy who, you know, the deputy, he got shot like eight times by Cad Bane. He's he's done so. But uh I'm just Cobb saying Bam. he could have died. It would have been it would have been ballsy. No, and like again with watching Clone Wars and stuff, Cad Bane shooting people and just injuring them is another thing that happens a lot in that show because he does it as a sign. And that's like one of his signature things that he does. You're trying to make excuses for the fact that he does not have a good aim. Wait, but Cad Bane <laughs> is dead, right? Like that, he is dead. So, well, well we're not sure about that either. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with um, knowing Dave no. Filoni's writing patterns. I want to say yes. Because I'm going to go with the he's fact that when a character can stuff. sell merchandise, he's not dead. No, with Dave Filoni, he has a tendency to kill characters off in the future. But like with Star Wars, The Bad Batch and the other animated shows, and maybe like the upcoming show Andor that takes place before um, A New Hope. Oh my God, how many more shows? <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think he'll be back. But uh... Mark, you know what the big difference is between those shows and this show? Those shows, no offense, they don't they don't reach to the general audience and they do not sell merch. So if they want to bring this this character back because they think it's just gonna they're gonna make money off of them, they will. Oh no, so I still think I still think he'll be back in the future because when he when he goes down, there's like a beeping from like his I don't even know what what it is on his chest. It's like a heart monitor or something, uh, like a transmitter. No idea what it is. I honestly thought it would have been like so cool if they just blew up Grogu. Like he just exploded into oh, like annoying yeah, pieces. That was fucking oh sweet. God. Well, no, we're gonna have to watch some <laughs> terrible thing happen. Because you know the the funny thing is, is that like you know we're still years away from that part of the story happening. But like as soon mm-hmm. as Luke sits down with Grogu's, like, hey, you want to join my academy? I was like, oh my fucking god! Like that just <laughs> doesn't that end with like the whole thing on fire with a bunch fire. of children inside? Yeah. Like I love um. That's supposed to get us excited? When I watched the episode, a friend of mine was like, oh, the shot is so beautiful. And all I'm thinking to myself is, yeah, Kylo Ren's going to burn it all down. Yeah, like this is the high point of that whole storyline and we're getting it now in episode six (laughs) of the Book of Boba Fett, which is just like Grogu's life is going to be shit, obviously, at some point. If he stays with uh, the Jedi and not the Mandalorian. Yeah. Which I guess... What's the time frame here? This takes place... Wait, I can do this. I know this. After Return of the Jedi. No, I know, but how many years? Five. And five is an important number because... The sequels are like 30 after. Okay. Or like 25 or something like that. Sorry, I'm just trying to... Um... I'm trying to consider the timeline of Star Wars in its totality and trying to place it amongst the rest of these shows. That so wait, how old well. is Kylo Ren in that first movie? He hasn't been born yet. Oh, in the first no, movie. No, I mean, yeah, not Boba Fett, but uh, the the first movie, the last trilogy, like whatever. Twenties. Yeah, he's probably pushing, you know, getting to his late twenties, early thirties, right yeah, about he's probably that, in his early you know, midlife crisis, that first quarter life <laughs> crisis point. Like, he's like right in the midst of that. I mean, Darth Vader was forty five when uh, in those original movies. So, listen, that dude kicked <laughs> ass. Okay. Everybody yeah. still wants to be like him. Of course. <laughs> I thought I smelled something. You're looking for a job, you're late. I've already got a job. I'm here to negotiate on behalf of the Pike Syndicate. I don't negotiate with gutless murderers. If that's not the quack to call in the stifling slimy. Clear out. Tell your bosses we know they're outnumbered. 
I wouldn't be counting on the people of Freetown to be coming anytime soon. I paid Marshal Vanth a visit. He should have never left him without his armor. Before you get any ideas, I've got backshooters too. Let the spice move through Mos Espa, and all this can be avoided. No. What do you propose then? I will only negotiate with the head of the Pike Syndicate. You mean the one that massacred your Tuscan family and blamed it on a speed bike gang? You know it's true. Let's do this. Right here. Right now. Not now. You pick when. You kill Vance. The reinforcements aren't coming. We fight on our terms. I can take him. You're emotional. I can take him. We need to adjust. You'll have your moment. Tell your client. Negotiations are terminated. Getting back to Boba Fett, again, Disney, you're doing a terrible job. We haven't talked about this motherfucker in 20 minutes. <laughs> Everything changes after episode five. We get this fun episode where they're like, here's the other guy in a suit that we really like. And then they try and start mushing the two of them together. Episode six, we could probably talk for hours about what a hot mess that was. But it all culminates in episode seven, which... In concept is an interesting idea, but in execution kind of laid bare so many flaws of this season from the fact that Moss Espa as like a location, as a culture is not really established. So why Boba Fett suddenly becomes this anti-drug cop is a little bit beyond (laughs) me. I'll go with it for the sake of this show. He hasn't committed one crime. Oh, well, I guess that's, yeah, no crimes. <laughs> but that's that's also kind of a... No, okay, so here's my thing. Here's my thing. So Hold on a second. I got to whole... ask you a question before you go on a rant. Are you not a fan of Return of the King? What? If we're going to start talking about Lord of the no, Rings, I, I'm I, leaving. I love Return this of the King. This whole entire episode was like an episode of Lord of the Rings. Oh, anyways, go on. I didn't think if so. If it was shot but, in um... a hallway, sure. <laughs> but, uh... For, for Boba Fett, with the flashbacks and everything, they were building upon the fact that, you know in clone wars he was like this sick kid just like killing people left and right and now he used to be a piece of shit yeah exactly but now he doesn't want to be he wants to be like this respected figure and that was the whole point of him doesn't have sloppy steaks anymore uh, he found yeah but mark he to be fair he was a hired gun he was an assassin it was his occupation his job yes but that was the whole point of him he's not really a crime lord because he's more like a marshal I never said he's a crime lord. No, but like, I'm just saying, like, I felt like the last episode didn't pay off because it didn't really tie into everything that they were doing with the character because he's trying to become this better person and establish a family of his own that has like a higher ground. But then in reality, I feel like they didn't do it. It's just higher ground to shoot more people with (laughs) via (laughs) jetpack. One of the reasons why you maybe feel that way, Mark, is because you have this gigantic set piece, which takes up about half of the episode, if not more. Mm-hmm. And the whole entire uh, set piece, the sequence, the action set piece, which I'm poking fun of and making comparisons to Return of the King, um, it 
it ends with Grogu sort of like saving the day. It's sort of like Grogu discovers that he has these, like, I mean, he knows he has these powers, but he has control of these powers. And he does the Mandalorian to stop the Mandalorian. And he mm-hmm. saves the Mandalorian. And so it, again, it shifts the focus completely away from the main character of the series focuses on the Mandalorian and Grogu. So I kind of felt like you're right. This season kind of felt like it was designed just to get these two characters like reunited. And Boba Fett was in the background. Yeah. That's, it that's really feels like they started it. writing this show and realized halfway through that they ran out of story, but they had been greenlit for $100 million in seven episodes. So they said, fuck it, give me some robots, give me some big animals, and we'll <laughs> blow some shit up. And that's that's like kind of all the finale is. Like it's not – there isn't some deep like understanding of Boba Fett's journey from you know slick back hair, sloppy steak asshole to – I'm the guy who's going to stop the drug trade from going through my town because that means something that has meaning to me. And I care about these people. And I don't know that bridge never got yeah. built for me because was, they threw a bunch of problem. Jedi in the middle of it. You know, yeah. they developed the whole beginning for it. And I thought there was going to be this major payoff with him becoming the daimyo. But instead I, I just felt like they didn't deliver on that. And I felt like they did a great job establishing his morals with the tribe and then just nothing for like the last episode. That was my big problem with it. How do you feel about the end, Ricky? Well, I do feel that apart from the actual script, which seems to be like the big issue we have with the season, I still like really enjoy the show from just like a form of entertainment and oh, me, too. me sitting yeah, back and kind of enjoying the visuals. But that last episode, like the action sequences, I got to repeat are fantastic. Like I, I love the actual gun duel between uh Bane and, and Fett at the end and like the way it ends. And, and how like Bane thinks he's got the upper hand. And he's going to use the blowtorch, and like Boba Fett's actually ready for him, and he actually well, we, he he doesn't kill him, but whatever. Let's just say he's dead, right? Um, and like like you know like the way he appears riding the what is the name of that creature again? The or, Rancor. Yeah, the Rancor. God, I'm fucking killing it on Star Wars stuff yeah. tonight. <laughs> Who's the expert? Kai, can, can I ask you a major question? Let's talk about midi chlorians. Do you know the Rancor's name or who it might be? <laughs> no, I have no idea. You won't know this one. I can guarantee that. Anakin's love it's... child. <laughs> there's a there's a, a theory that it is Muchi, the Rancor from Star Wars: The Bad Batch. I have never cared about anything so little in my life. <laughs> You know what I'd rather learn more about? I'd rather learn about this whole revelation that Ewoks fuck humans that we learn about. That is the kind of stuff I want to see from my Star Wars moving forward. More of that, please. Um, I think, like, I want to give those action sequences credit in the last episode, but they are way too long. They're very repetitive and... Boy, I just get, you know, it feels every time they do an action scene on this show, it feels like they have a checklist and it's like once a season we get to use the jetpack and twice a year we get to use the flamethrower. And it, it it's which is funny because my favorite shot of the entire season is when um, the Mandalorian gets into, he gets pissed off at a droid who's making him put all of his weapons in a box and we get to see them all at once. And I was like, hey, he used more than one of them at the same time. Um, but again, it this this final episode felt like a lot of noise for, I don't know, for us to end up in the same place that we were at the end of the second season of the Mandalorian kind of. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just kind of wondering like, 
okay, they're doing a third season of The Mandalorian, but now what? Is this it for Boba Fett? Does he just fade off into the background and now he's, you know, going to shave his head and sleep in water and be a happy man? Or like what? Sorry, I just have a theory on why I think the showrunners and Disney decided to include The Mandalorian in two full episodes. And even to the point where the last episode really revolves around him and Grogu. And I could be completely wrong. But I think they just really wanted Baby Yoda in this fucking series because they wanted to make sure that they got the viewership and it's all about money and marketing. And I think like the Mandalorian or and or at least Baby Yoda is so popular that I think they just did not want to take a chance and just have an entire season focus on no offense an actor Morrison who nobody knows he's not a household name he's not exactly young and attractive like I don't know whoever take your pick like you know it's like it's like Hollywood still like Disney whoever they put in so much money into the TV series that the producers and whoever is investing this money I think they still want to have some sort of like safe bet and that could be one of the reasons why we have two full episodes dedicated to the Mandalorian to bring back um but man Boba, if like probably. boba fett can't be a safe bet on his own given like his cultural cachet and the mystery people have built around him for 40 years then like what are we doing here what do you have confidence well in? that's the thing with this show with the mandalorian they basically gave everyone what boba fett was and then they realized hey now we're gonna do a boba fett show because we're actually gonna pay up what we need to because the first supposedly they made the mandalorian because they didn't want to pay george lucas to use boba fett with every single episode because it's his character so that's why they did the mandalorian wonderful but now we're in a situation where boba fett gets his own show but it's like hey everything we did with the mandalorian we wanted to do with boba fett so now we got to make him a new character essentially that's so interesting you know the more we talk about it the more God, it feels like they are this, this, you know, if you consider this, these three seasons with the new trilogy, it's weird to see a corporation, especially one that has something like uh, you can say what you want about the quality of it, but like the construction of the Marvel like timeline and whatever Mm -hmm. you want to do, that whole story is like very thought out and very meticulous and it just feels like they're throwing shit against the wall with star wars oh yeah movies of the trilogy feel different all three seasons of the show feel different it it feels like they're not exactly sure what they want to do with this stuff. You, you know what you just said? You said all three seasons of this show. <laughs> well, yeah, it's no, the same sorry, fucking sure. show. You can't tell me this is not a Mandalorian season. Like you're lying. Like Pedro Pascal is listed as a, as a part of the starring cast. Like, what are we doing here? I don't know. Randy was Frazier the exact same show as cheers. I mean, not really a similar comparison because not there weren't multiple characters that dress like Frasier on Cheers. There wasn't a cult of Frasiers running around spouting off, this is the way, every time Frasier <laughs> got yelled at by his wife or something. You know what I mean? Like, kind of apples and oranges. I get what you're saying, but like, I don't know. This was like... I came into this and I wanted to be open and I saw, you know, you bring in Steven Root and I get excited and Jennifer Beals and all these cool people. And I want, I want it so bad like this thing, but I just came away from walking while well, I walked away from this, just feeling like they don't know what they, they don't really know what they want to do with this stuff and they're just doing it. And ultimately I don't think that's a good reason to do something. I think this was definitely like a last minute decision to put this show together. But I think in the long, you know, the big grand scheme of things, I feel like Boba Fett's going to have an important role in the Mandalorian, which is 
that because now he wields the dark saber and all that stuff he's basically destined to be the king of mandalore which again all stuff from the clone wars and rebels and all that stuff but uh dinjarin is basically destined to be a king of his people and i think they're going to build upon that with tatooine becoming this new uh mandalorian hideout with boba fett's palace we're gonna get a movie about the quest for the dark saber or something aren't we no they already did that that's uh the clone oh. wars yeah. oh oh okay well and then i well, then i guess then i feel a little bit better about that that death saber the dark saber at least because mm-hmm. i was just like stop showing me this goddamn thing and saying it all the time if you want to hear something crazy randy which you probably won't care about. I Darth mean, you already Maul. blew me away with your fact about the Rancor <laughs> that I Darth, so cared about. Darth Maul had uh, the Darksaber at one point. Moff Gideon? No, Darth Maul. Oh, Moff Gideon. Yeah, Moff Gideon had it too, which he took it yeah. from Sabine Wren from Star Wars Rebels, which is another character. Oh my God. So uh, this thing has been around for a while. Oh, yeah, yeah. This thing has been around since 2008. It's wow. and originally, about? originally, the John the sword, John Favreau's character in Star Wars: The Clone Wars, which was pre Vizsla, was the wielder of the dark saber. I just got like, I just got so tired, but at the same time, <laughs> I'm like, interesting. Like there yeah, is so there is something to that for years, and this idea of like manifest destiny around something but then again I, then we're just yeah it's we're starting to do wrong. dune again and I'm, <laughs> we already have another dune movie coming what's happening it's been around but the he who holds the dark saber is essentially the king of mandalore which is the planet that you see get blown up in the the fifth episode when all the bombs are dropping so uh, so yeah. and so kind of a question that i that i want to end this on would boba fett have been a better series not and I understand that we would have to take some liberties with this to make this character work, but would this have just been a better series if it took place after the nine Star Wars movies? Like if it took, like all this stuff took place later on instead of existing in an already kind of contained within an already told story and and a set destination for a lot of these characters? No, it has to take place at this point because everything that happened in those sequel movies has nothing to do with George Lucas and uh, Dave Filoni's Star Wars, essentially. And Dave Filoni has built an incredible world. He's basically, if you watch Star Wars The Clone Wars, I guarantee you'll rewatch this, those prequel movies and you'll actually like them infinitely more. I guarantee it. Because the way he fleshes out all these characters and his world and everything is incredible. Every single season of uh, the show is just incredible for Clone Wars. And then when you watch those shows and watch this, there's so much depth to it that the casual viewer would never understand. And that's what I find incredible about it. Of the original prequels, I think the one I enjoyed the most, or I thought was at least the best, was Attack of the Clones, <laughs> the second film. I know, and everyone thinks I'm crazy, well, but it's I thought the one it was... with the. I kind of agree because it's the one with less. Um, it's the one CGI that had the best animal story boy, really... and it doesn't yeah, have the dialogue yes. of three. Exactly, it had better dialogue. It was more interested you in the politics and the mythology, and it didn't have Jar Jar. No, Jar Jar was in the second one. Uh, but are you talking barely, about the third barely. one? Less, less, less. Are, are you talking about Revenge of the Sith with General Grievous and all that stuff? Because that's... No, I don't I like the third Attack movie. The I really? cannot sit through the third film. Oh, interesting. I think the third one's the best one in the prequels. And it's funny because that's that's generally the reaction I've heard from people is that it's kind of the best directed and it has the most interesting story about it. But... I can't get I can't listen to people talk in that movie at all. I can't do really? it. I saw it in the theater and and I just couldn't. The dialogue in that movie is just Usually so awful. everyone says the second one is the worst one. 
I think the second one is interesting because it's like where they do the world building for that trilogy, which you would think Mm -hmm. would happen in the first movie. But then the second movie comes in. It's like, hey, how about some politics, motherfucker? And I was kind (laughs) of into it. That that's exactly how I feel. Now, mind you, I haven't watched those three films in like a long time, but I do remember just thinking that overall, I thought it had more to say and a better story to tell. And I thought like I, I do, I do remember the third one just having like the worst dialogue and the worst delivery of the worst dialogue, which made it even worse. Hmm. But anyhow, we're not here to talk about Star Wars movies. We're here to talk. We can about always TV talk about things. Star Wars movies. Especially the second one, because I think this move, like this show tries to do something of like small scale political stuff, but like with a lot of political stuff in Star Wars, it's like so ethereal and that it it never condenses into something tangential. And like Attack of the Clones kind of does that. And it sounds like the Clone Wars, Clone Wars really does that. Which... It does. It goes into stuff with like what they talk about in uh, Attack of the Clones with like the banking clan and the Separatist oh, Alliance. See, I'm all about that shit. So the, that it, it's funny that this show is so bad that it may actually made me more interested in a different Star Wars show. <laughs> so well done, Disney. I, I have a question, though. Why did the twins... Uh, um, why why did the twins gift them the Rancor? Rancor? Um, that's a great... I because guess it was like plot. an apology and also... How are you going to transfer that thing to like a different planet? I guess maybe since they left. It's just like that's like one hell of a gift to carry across a desert to give to someone who might not even take it. Yeah. And also, it seemed like when they warned him, they were like, you got to get out of here. That's their warning. It was like, it really, I think, at least to me, it really showed that they had given up on Tatooine. And it's like, if they're willing to abandon this rare creature, like clearly something bad is going to happen, which again, I think the buildup to this show, just the payoff just isn't there at the end. Boba is here to collect tributes. That includes now, beasts. those twins, which of them do you think is the, the, the one that looks the most similar to, to, to Jabba the Hutt? <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you think that they weigh exactly the same? Throw me into a Sarlacc pit. <laughs> How long do you think it took them to get across the desert? They move pretty slow. Yeah, especially with those people carrying them. <laughs> Man, they should be walking. Burn some calories. Why don't they just? Why don't those people when they're on the cliffside going up to Boba Fett just like but, drop but, them but off? Mark, you know, here's the thing. Have you ever seen like? And by the way, I'm not making fun of this because I love animals and I think it's really cruel. But have you ever seen someone tip a cow? The cow can't get up, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So like those dudes, have they just like tipped over? You know, whatever it tipped them over, and they fell on their fucking. No, but they're like slugs, dude. I don't know. Slugs are they stick? They wouldn't be able to get up though. Eh, They'll crawl around. They wouldn't be able to get up. Well, I guess we'll have to wait for the Bible of (laughs) what are they? What are those animals called? Huts. The Bible of hut. Huts. The the slut hut. I don't know. Uh, so I, there is hope that we're going to get more Timothy Oliphant in the future because that dude yes. like rocks. He, he like, survived all my favorite shows. He was in the back of the tank, and then the, uh, you know, the I the we didn't even talk about them. Wow, the the mods. These uh, there's a reason we didn't <laughs> cybernetic. Talk about them. Yeah, these cybernetic abominations that feel like they're out of Spy Kids. Another reason why Robert Rodriguez's episode absolutely blows in this show. I was oh. sad to see Th- <laughs> Sophie Thatcher in this show because yeah, they, what a waste. Her what a English waste accent is just bad and she shouldn't have it. And I, these, those characters suck. I hate them. You're talking about the gigantic metallic spider looking things look like a cross between like Metroid. <laughs> no, and, no, no. We're no. talking about the well, teenage cyberpunk <laughs> idiots. 
Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. The juvenile the delinquents. Gang. Yeah. Man. The mullet haircuts. Mm-hmm. Who don't you like about the biker gang? Like the whole entire crew? Or what is there? To I like don't like what Sophie like Thatcher's that? accent. That's what bothers me. She's so good on Yellow Jackets, and she's so bad here. And I have to think that it comes down to writing and direction. They were all terrible. I They're had all terrible, no idea. But, her, but hers feels the were. worst after Yellow Jackets. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Well, we didn't talk about this. Another thing, Boba Fett. You know, to be a crime boss after him working for Jabba the Hutt for years, you would think he would have like an army. But he's running around with Fennec Shan, two pigs, and a group of four kids. That's why I say like, episode three empire. should be first is because he gets around the first episode. He's like, yeah, this is my shit. And I'm like, you and who? You and the two pig dudes that look like they came from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Like, <laughs> what are we... <laughs> he, He's got There's no so much one about by this show side. that doesn't make sense to me. I really... Yeah, I, <laughs> I think that's why I think the past, I think that, you know, the past stuff with him surviving in the desert, I think it's all excellent, honestly. And then when you get to the modern stuff, like outside Mos Espa of sucks, yeah, anything outside I, of Moss Espa is good. And there's Moss yeah, Espa basically, stuff is just such yeah. a terrible waste of time. And then, well, we didn't even get to it too, but Cad Bane and the Pike syndicate, I have no idea what they were thinking with this Pike syndicate leader, because I don't even know if he has a name. But, like, they don't establish a big bad because Cad Bane is not, like, a villain to Boba Fett. He's a rival. Yeah, he even mentioned that, like, hey, we could take jobs all the time and I beat your ass. Yeah, which... and also the ending of the show, by the way, when he gets, you know, when he gets killed is actually from a canceled episode of The Clone Wars that they never got to finish when Disney bought Star Wars. Oh where Cad Bane God. duels Boba Fett. And that's how Boba Fett got the indent on his uh, helmet because oh he shot him in the head. I think Bane becomes the central villain just because he does shoot Cobb and he is friends with him. But you're right, because Bane does tell uh, he does tell him. Uh, I think it's like episode seven. He tells him the Pikes yeah. killed uh, the Tuscan yeah. tribe because Cad Bane is always causing trouble and just getting the upper hand on uh, other people. And I thought I thought at the ending when he took the gaffy stick and, you know, and Cad Bane's looking at him and he's like, oh, I knew you were a killer. Like, I thought he was going to throw the gaffy stick down and be like, I'm better than you. And said, nah, say something sassy. Take and this again, blade. Yeah. Instead he stabbed him. And I thought that was a little out of character for Boba Fett, especially after the episode where the Tuscans are literally pointing their guns at the, the pikes after they stop the train. And then meanwhile, Boba Fett makes like a negotiation for them to pass with tribute. Before we end the show, I have a question, and I'm afraid to ask the question, but I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and ask. Be brave, the question. my friend. So, why do we get a CGI version of Luke Skywalker and not hire the actual actor? Do you really want me to answer this question? Nostalgia. <laughs> it doesn't matter. No, Mark, that's Mark the, Hamill, that's what bothers me yeah. about it. Is it doesn't matter if he wanted to do it or not. It doesn't matter. Mark Hamill supervised it, but he uh, didn't do anything else. He didn't even do the voice. The voice was all yeah, created from archival footage, which is just fucking awful. Yeah, it was because it sounds like, like shit a synthesizer. too. Yeah, I didn't think it sounded that bad. I, I thought it. it sounded I hated like everything calm, about his like presence, master, man. You know? I gotta say, I just I don't, but I don't. I couldn't fucking answer the question. It. Like, why didn't they just hire Mark Hamill and then make him look younger, like they they do for everyone else? Because they are practicing to, so they can just replace actors. Once everybody, everybody that is in a Star Wars property, if they haven't died already, they will die, and this is the only way they'll be able to keep that fucking machine rolling. 
You know what I mean? Like they're not brave enough to try and cast a different actor and give us a different portrayal of Luke Skywalker because he's Luke Skywalker. You got to have him be Luke Skywalker. And it's like, have some fucking balls once in a while and, and allow your, your, your franchise to stretch itself a little bit. That Luke Skywalker stuff really, really bugs me. Yeah, it definitely, it does more like ethically and stuff, but yeah, I'm I think not it's gonna, harmful I'm not to Star Wars. It. It is. Like Star Wars I, is about being imaginative. And if you're giving mm-hmm. me a CGI version of a character I've seen for 40 years, you have lost your imagination. But I mean, like, did they hire Frank Oz to be Baby Yoda? I mean, no. you hire a Muppet <laughs> handler. What are you talking about? It's like asking me who stuck their arm up Fraser's ass when they didn't read his dialogue. <laughs> Was it Roz? I don't know. It's definitely uh, concerning because also when, uh, you know, with like Clone Wars and everything, it's not like they got the original actors outside of um, Liam Clone Neeson. Clone Wars tells us people. that clones are bad. Why do we want to accept that technology in our lives? Okay, but the point is Mark Hamill is older now, so he can't be a younger version of, of himself unless they use So CGI is Tamar and Morrison, so... but they ain't stopping them. Right, but yeah, with Frank Oz, like, though, if you have a puppet, that. you're just using a puppeteer, right? So, like, is Yoda just, like, all purely CGI, I guess? Well, I think they do a big mix of CGI and practical effects. It's the one thing that I do appreciate about what, these for series. Is... For uh, Baby Y. Yeah, he's he's all practical. There's nothing yeah. about him that's CGI. So then why? So that's what I'm saying. Like, who's in charge of being, like, you know, in charge of, like, the movement for Grogu? It's like a double person puppeteered like mechanical but it's not frank thing. oz though no frank frank oz just did a he did do yoda in uh star wars the last jedi but um yeah and but we've already done cgi yoda before so yeah, we've someone's sitting there with a the remote control and literally controlling everything the puppet does and her name is kathleen kennedy <laughs> i think on that note we have covered just about everything there is to cover within and around the bounds of the book of Boba Fett, I guess I will end by saying, by asking you both, exiting Boba Fett, are you excited for another season of The Mandalorian, the next, the first season of uh, Ahsoka and, and whatever else is coming down the line? Yeah, Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan, more Clone Wars, uh, another movie. I'm sure they're announcing that. Like, are you guys, does this... Do the events, especially in the second half, endear you to any more stories in this particular setting or with these characters? Yes, because I just really enjoy the characters in this world and I want to see where they go next. I think this show, if it gets a second season, guarantee it will. But I I think they have a lot to improve upon. I think The Mandalorian should just keep on going because I thought season two for that show was just excellent. And so was the first season. So don't have a problem there. How do you feel, Ricky? I mean, I'm okay. I'm okay if they make more Star Wars TV shows. It's look, The Mandalorian, I think, made our list of the best TV shows of whatever year was released. And I think season two also made a list like we seem to be huge fans of The Mandalorian. I think I think this show like like I like the show. I enjoy the show. I do think, you know, we've talked about its shortcomings and some of its flaws, but I, I, I really just like dig this, this actor that you not know how to pronounce his first name. Morrison. Yeah. Like he's just great. He's great. And like, I, I, what I want to know is if they're going to keep making more star Wars shows, right. Are they all going to have the same tone and feel and like soundtrack and, and all feel like mm-hmm. they're like some kind of like Sergio Leone Western. Cause I assume that not. could be problematic. 
They said this upcoming uh, Andor show is supposed to be like a James Bond movie. That's how they keep describing it. Okay, we'll see. This, again, we're talking about Disney here, who keeps telling us that every the, the next Marvel movie is the one that's different, and this one's different, and this one's different. <laughs> and at some point, they're all adhering to a template for a very specific corporate reason. So I think within the bounds of Disney's imagination, Star Wars has still has unlimited potential to tell whatever stories it wants, wherever it wants to. It's just you have to make those stories interesting with the characters you put in them. And I think Boba Fett fundamentally fails on that level. And it's only when it goes back to the Mandalorian that we're reminded, Oh wait, there are actually interesting characters that are in this storyline. And I, I enjoyed, you know, ultimately I enjoyed the time that I got to spend with Jin Jaren again, this season, you know, Grogu, I, he's fine. I don't, I don't need him in my Mandalorian stories, but I'm definitely interested in more Mandalorian because I think it's very well done. And, I think it embodies what this show is aiming to do with Boba Fett in a more grounded, interesting way. You know, mm-hmm. the one the one kind of lore thing about Star Wars that I have enjoyed in this recent thing is whatever the fuck this weird Mandalorian culture is, because it's really stupid and like really gregariously <laughs> thought out. And I really enjoy that. Again, why you have to watch reason. Clone Wars. Yeah, it's, it's clearly this whole from. podcast I've learned that I need to watch another television show, which is... A fine lesson for me to learn. And Clone um, Wars is an anthology, so you could just watch the Mandalorian episodes if you want. Oh, that's beautiful. You you've sold me on it, Mark. So yeah, congratulations. You could just cherry pick. Don't even don't go through every episode because trust me, you're gonna have some uh some ones that you're not gonna enjoy, like the Jar Jar Binks episodes. Like oh, you're not gonna yes. like those. But you're gonna, gonna like have... like Obi Wan, you find out he had a secret girlfriend who was the queen of Mandalore, and oh then he God. gets involved in this whole Mandalore plot. Like that one is just like and two hours of just incredible stuff. Wow, I may need to come to you to get a specific playlist of episodes that I need to see. You need to make me a mixtape of the Clone Wars is basically what I'm saying. I think they actually have on Disney Plus, they have like the 20 essential episodes to watch. That is going to be our episode of After Dark this week. Mark, thank you for joining us. Where can people find you on the internet? Of course, you can find me at the Markel. That, of course, is Mark with the C, Cal with the K. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm also the co-host of the Nintendo and Express podcast, which you can find on GoogleStomp.com. I'm always posting, uh, writing about games. Can't talk about the game I'm currently writing about, but I have stuff up on uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus and Sifu and a few other games. Uh, for Tilt, I just reviewed the Cuphead show. We'll be talking about that on N Express this week. Don't watch it. And uh, yeah, you can check out all my Boba Fett coverage up on Tilt. Awesome. And Ricky, where can people find you that don't know already, of course? I mean, on Twitter, it's Sorted Cinema, and you can listen to the Sorted Cinema podcast on the exact same feed as After Dark. We will be returning, I think, in a few days. We're going to actually review a movie that came out last year, I believe. It's called Nobody, and it's kick ass. And um, yeah, you can listen to the show just about everywhere from iTunes to Podbean to Spotify, you name it. Uh, Leave us a review, follow us on Twitter, go to our website, visit our website, tiltmagazine.net. And the easiest way to find everything related to this very podcast is to go to sortedcinema.com. Beautiful. And you can find me writing about Righteous Gemstones at Tilt Magazine and writing about other things at Process Media. Until next time, we will talk about more television. Who knows what we'll talk about then? Ricky hasn't told me yet, so we don't know. No spoilers. Uh, Until then, be well and enjoy television. Thanks for listening.
just a cradle. Yes, my fucker, the dick. The Esparka Jidik Pujaba. Anta S. Chiji. I don't care what your tablet says. This is Mos Espa, and I am Daimyo here. Bulawa. Oh. <laughs> You can bring as many gladiators as you wish, but these are not the death pits of Durr, and I am not a sleeping Trandoshan guard. This territory is mine. Go back to Nalhata. Your cousin Jabba is dead. His cowardly majordomo usurped his territory, and then I killed him. All that is his belongs to me now. Your sister is right. If you want it, you'll have to kill me for it. Dum 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 d